Good morning, Redeemer's Church. I'd like to welcome everyone that is joining us this morning on our YouTube channel and our Facebook page. For those of you who may not know who I am, my name is Pastor Caleb Schaefer, and I am the Senior Associate Pastor here at Redeemer's Church. Over the past couple of weeks, you have had the privilege of hearing from our senior pastor, Pastor Dwight Bennett, as he has been talking about the uh, things to overcome as you pursue victory, as well as preparing for victory in your life. This morning, I have the privilege and the honor of sharing with you, and I am excited to do that. Uh, as many of you already know, today is Palm Sunday. And to put it optimistic, I think that this is the most unique Palm Sunday I have ever experienced. Would you agree with me? You know, growing up in church, one of the things that made Palm Sunday so different is the fact that as you would enter into most churches, you were not only greeted with a bulletin and a hug, but you were greeted with a palm branch. And I don't know about you, but I'm missing my palm branch this morning, uh, especially as we were worshiping to the song list that we were worshiping to. But in spite of all of that, regardless of all of that, I'm going to preach the word to you this morning. And I hope that you are encouraged, inspired, and filled with passion. Will you just join, join me as I begin uh, with a word of prayer? Go ahead and just bow your heads, close your eyes, and we'll pray. Father, I just thank you so much for uh, your word. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that even though we are quarantined, even though we are staying at home, your Holy Spirit is not quarantined. God, that you are omnipresent, you are omniscient, you are omnipotent, God. And so I pray that you would display your power in our homes, that you would give us wisdom to navigate through this time. And Father, most of all, Lord, I pray this morning we would experience your presence in a real and tangible way. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I get into what I'm going to be sharing uh, with you all today, traditionally at our church, not only is this Palm Sunday, but this happens to be the first Sunday of the month. And on the first Sunday of the month, we take communion together. And so what I want to do, at, I just want to kind of give you a heads up that at the end of the message today, I'm going to be taking communion and administering it. So what I would like you to do at home is I would like to, even if you need to pause the video, I'd like for you to just go into your kitchen and find whatever you are going to take communion with. I don't care if it's grape juice, orange juice, apple juice, a cracker, a graham cracker, some chips, it doesn't matter. We are going to take communion together. And so I wanted to just kind of give you a heads up on that. But um, this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and we're specifically going to look at the verses 13 through 35. The title of my message this morning is, Where Do We Go From Here? Where do we go from here? And I think that that is an appropriate question to consider this morning, because how many of you agree, would agree with me that we're, what we're going through right now has caused all of us to have to make adjustments to our lifestyles, whether we have wanted to or not. Life as we know it has, um, <clears throat> it has in many ways been closed down or we've been closed off to it. For example, uh, my wife and I had been wanting to go on a date. If you have been quarantined as a husband or you've been or a, a wife and you work out of the house and now you are forced to be in your house 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'm sure that if you've got little kids or kids in the house in general, you're gonna wanna get out of the house. And that was my wife and I's experience. We wanted to go on a date outside of the house and we were thinking of strategic, creative ways on how 
how to get a, a date in. Do we just like, you know, have a babysitter come over to the house and uh, have them, you know, watch our kids on the first and second floor and then Allison and I go down to the basement and watch a movie or hang out, whatever. But luckily we were able to have a babysitter come over to the house who did not have the virus, thank the Lord. And we were able to actually get out of the house. And uh, so we were so excited. They came over and we got into my car and we drove to the end of the court. And before we got to the end of the court, I literally stopped the truck and I looked over at my wife and I said, where do we even go? We were so excited to go on a date that we had failed to remember that so many of the places that we even go on dates to have been closed off or closed down to the public. Where do we even go? And so we sat for a moment. We just kind of brainstormed, you know, what to do. And uh, we finally decided that we were going to go to the park and we were going to take a walk. And then after that, usually most of our dates are surrounded by getting some sort of food. And uh, so we decided to go to Chipotle, get some of our favorite food. And we had a lunch date in the front seat of my car, eating some Chipotle together. This is the circumstance that we are all in. Our lifestyles have been, we've been forced to adjust into change with everything that is going on. And so how many of you know that those adjustments require and demand us to be flexible in this time? We're having to do everything from home. And I think for so many of, the, for so many of us, this quarantine has put so much of our life on pause. We have vacations that we have been put on pause, sporting events, whole sports have been shut down. I don't know if you found out or heard that the Olympics is shut down and postponed to, to next year. I mean, everything is getting shut down. And I don't know about you, but what ends up happening is a lot of times, even in a day-to-day -day basis, this question continues to rise in my mind. Where, where do I go from here? Other questions that I really feel speak to where we are at in this time are questions like, what does life look like from here on out? I mean, if this were to become something permanent, what would life look like? from here on out. Another question that comes to my mind is, what do we do now? I gotta be honest, as a pastor, that's a question that's coming up in my mind every day because my passion is people, my business is people, the kingdom is, is about connecting with people and meeting with people. And so a lot of times I'm like, you know, uh, searching my mind about how can I connect with people because to be honest, getting on FaceTime or Zoom is just not enough. And so here we are, in this place where we're forced to make all of these adjustments. And I just wanna let you know, I just kinda of wanna put a lot of you at ease if you've been feeling this way, that these are normal questions we are all trying to process as everything has been taking place over the last month. I think if we were to all be honest that the, the processing that we've been going through is our attempt to try to deal with the unknowns that we're facing. When is my life going to get back to normal? When? Are my kids going to go back to school? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When are we going to get to go back to church? There's question after question after question after question. And so as I've been pondering these questions myself, the Holy Spirit has reminded me of a time in scripture where the disciples were in a similar place in dealing with the unknowns 
that they were facing. And I want to talk about that. Before we read Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 25, I want to provide some background information to set up where we are going in the story. Approximately seven days before the events of Luke chapter 24 was the origination of what we now know as Palm Sunday. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 10, we read the story of this Palm Sunday. It's also known as the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Jesus is outside of Jerusalem and on his way into Jerusalem. Uh, at this time, just to kind of stop for a moment, he has fulfilled everything that God wanted him to fulfill up to this moment. If you've read the Gospels and you're familiar with the Gospels, you know that there were so many times in the ministry of Jesus where he would tell people, don't wait, don't reveal who I am. Wait, the time has not yet come for me to do ultimately what God has has for me to do. And so here Jesus is on the cusp of the time. He, here's the time where he, he knows that he is to enter into Jer Jerusalem and ultimately die and be buried and resurrected. But before he enters into Jerusalem, he stops in a small village outside of Jerusalem called Bethpage. And he sends two of his disciples into, into Bethpage. And he says, I want you to go and you're going to find a donkey. And you're going to tell the owner that the master is in need of it. And miraculously, they come into the town, they find the donkey, they bring it back to Jesus, and Jesus begins his short journey into Jerusalem. And Matthew chapter 21 records that as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, crowds gather, and there's a multitude of people around Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 21, verse 8, in the Passion Translation, it says this. It says, they carpeted the road before him with their cloaks and prayer shawls while others cut down branches from trees to spread in his path. Now, when I first read that, if I didn't know anything about palm branches, I would have thought, are they trying to obstruct Jesus from getting in to Jerusalem? No, 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 no. It was a gesture to honor a conquering king. When you would lay out these palm branches, what you were doing is you were making a declaration that the person you're laying them down before, you want to coronate as a king. And so as they lay these palm branches down, they're basically declaring, Jesus, we want you to enter into Jerusalem and you, we want you to be the king over our city and over our nation. And not only were they doing that, but the message translation in this same passage of scripture goes on to say that the crowds gathered around him and they were calling out Hosanna to David's son. Blessed is he who comes in God's name. Hosanna in the highest of heavens. Doesn't, doesn't that sound familiar to what the angels declared when Jesus was born? It's no different now. Now what the angels were declaring, the people were declaring as Jesus was entering into the city. And this word Hosanna is very interesting. It's a Hebrew declaration which essentially means bring the victory, Lord. What a powerful declaration for the time that we're living in right now, I just want to encourage you in your home right now that you would lift up a Hosanna, not only in your home, but in our nation and in our world, that the Holy Spirit and the power of God would, would, would spread across the world and bring a miraculous victory to this thing that we are dealing with. Today is the day to shout Hosanna and make a declaration of intercession over our world that God would intervene. It goes on to say in verse 10, 
as he made his entrance into Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken. People were asking, what's going on here and who is this? I don't know about you, but in a world that is shaken by a virus, I think the solution is that the world would be shaken by the power of Jesus, bringing an invasion, an invasion that brings a cure. Can I get an amen? Listen to me this morning. The massive crowd that gathered that day had every expectation that Jesus was going to enter into Jerusalem. He was going to drive out the Roman occupation, remove the Roman army, remove the Roman governor. He was going to liberate the people of Israel, and then he was going to take a seat on David's throne. And you know what happens? Not even roughly five days after Jesus enters into Jerusalem, he's hanging on a Roman cross. And there's very few father of his followers around to watch him die, but they're there in their mourning. And, and all of the other disciples have scattered because as scripture says, when the shepherd is struck, the sheep will scatter. Here we are in a place where so many of Jesus's followers did not expect for this to happen. And so Jesus breathes his last breath and dies and is buried. And now his followers are in a precarious place. And I have to believe that for many of them, they were thinking the same question that I posed to you earlier. Where do we go from here? What is life going to look like from here on out? What do we do now? Listen to me. These followers had so much. I can't stress it enough. These followers had so much of their life invested in this Jesus being the Messiah of Israel, the one who would come in and conquer and liberate their country. They had momentum. They were a part of this incredible movement. They had plans. They had hopes. They had new dreams. They were walking day to day with Jesus, which was literally walking with heaven on earth. And I don't know about you, but if I was in that place, I would not have wanted that to end either. And no matter how many times Jesus told them what was going to take place in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, these followers are now left in the aftermath. And just like many of us in 2020, they are left trying to process the unknowns thinking, where do we go from here? I don't know about you, but in the midst of of uh, what we are going through, I find it ironic that in the year 2020, so many people were cap capitalizing on this year by branding it the year of things like the year of perfect vision, the year of seeing, seeing clearly. And here we are not even three months in and we have been quote unquote blindsided by a virus that we didn't even see coming and touching American soil. So where do we go from here? What do we do now? Where, a better question, where is Jesus in all of this? See, Luke chapter 24 tells of, us, tells of an interaction that two followers of Jesus have had with Jesus on the day of his resurrection. One of these follower, followers was named Cleopas, and so many scholars uh, allude to the fact that this was Clopas that is mentioned in John chapter 19. He was an eyewitness to Jesus's crucifixion. And here he is, he's walking with a friend of his that we don't even uh, know his name. And they're walking along a road. And in verse 13, it says, behold, two of them were going that very day 
That very day means the day of Jesus' resurrection to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, this village named Emmaus that they're heading to has a very interesting meaning that I want you to hold on to for the rest of the message. This word means in Hebrew, the burning place. And so here these people, these followers of Jesus who burned with a passion for their savior that now has died are figuring out what to do next. And they make a decision to decide to head to the burning place. And verse 14 says they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. How many of you know that one of the things that that means as they were talking about everything that had taken place is that they're processing what had just happened in the course of their life. They're just trying to wade through the unknowns of what do we do from here. And listen to what we read next, because I want you to hear the context to which Jesus shows up. Verse 15 says, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. I want you to focus on verse 15. Listen to me this morning. I hope that you got excited where you were about the fact that Jesus approached them in the midst of them processing and dealing with their unknown. So many things are uncertain right now. So many things were uncertain back then, but this verse speaks of the new covenant that was made in and through Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. Now, in this glorious covenant that you and I are living in right now uh, between God and man, man no longer has to find God. God comes to man. That's what the gospel is about. Listen to what Reinhard Bunke, a well-known famous evangelist, said on this very thing. He said, in all of the other religions in the world today, man has to come to God. But what distinguishes Christianity from every other religion is that Christianity shows us that God has come to man. Listen to me this morning. Jesus is still Emmanuel. He is God with us and he will be God with us. He approached those two men in their unknowns and you and I are no different. I want to encourage you this morning in the midst of all the unknowns that you are facing, that God is so passionately in love with you that he is going to pursue you in the midst of all of it to remind you of the reality that God is drawing near to us. I want you to be encouraged by Romans chapter eight. Paul records these things in the midst of everything that he went through. In verse 31, he says, if God is for us, who, and I will add, what will ever be against us? Since he did not spare, listen to this, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Can every anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? That's where we are right now. Or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours in Christ Jesus. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Listen, I am standing firm in this season of my life right now. And I wanna encourage you that we need to stand in faith and be convinced right now that even in the midst of what we're going through, nothing is going to separate us from the love of Christ. And it goes on to say, neither death nor life, 
neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. This is the gospel. This is the Jesus we believe in. Come on, that is some good news. Going back to Luke chapter 24, verse 17, it says that Jesus said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? Listen, Jesus not only wants to walk with you in this time, but he wants to talk with you as well. One of the questions that I have for you this morning as you consider what I'm talking about is this. Have you invited Jesus to interject his thoughts into your thoughts? That's so important right now because we are being bombarded by fears, by anxiety, by worries. But have you taken a moment in the midst of everything that you are thinking, in the midst of the media you're listening to, in the midst of the, the opinions and the things that man is speaking, and have you taken a time to allow Jesus to interject his thoughts into your thoughts? And so verse 17 says, and they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas, which I already mentioned, answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things that have happened here in these days? See, I want you to understand the reason why they said that. They said this because everything in their life had been disrupted. Peter, as you know, had gone back to fishing. Many of the disciples we'll find out later in this chapter, had quarantined themselves out of a fear that what happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. And it was what happened to Jesus was such a drastic transformation and shift for so many people that Cleopas responds to Jesus with question with, how could you not know what has taken place? In verse 21, it goes on to say, and, and this, is, this really kind of alludes to the reality that, that they did not expect what happened to Jesus to actually happen to him. Listen to what Cleopas says in verse 21. He says, we were hoping that this Jesus was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, it is the third day and the, these things happen. They remember Jesus talking about the third day and the irony is this, they thought he was the Messiah and it was day three and he hasn't come back to life and little did they know he's talking to them and they didn't even know it. Can I tell you something? You remember going back in this chapter when it says they were kept from recognizing that it was Jesus. I don't really want to go into the reason why they were kept from seeing him, because honestly, I don't know the answer. But here's what I do know in light of our circumstances. When your focus is on the fear of the unknown, when it's on the fear of the future, when it's on the instability in our economy, when it is on how long are we going to be in this situation, one thing I can tell you is that when your focus is preoccupied by the unknowns of the day, you won't be able to recognize where Jesus is in the middle of it. See, you have to be mindful of where your focus is, where your thoughts are. Listen to me. Jesus is here. He is in this time, but you won't see him for who he is and what he is doing in the midst of all of it until you turn your focus from the unknowns and you fix your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. Skipping ahead to verse 25. 
Jesus rebukes them for their inability to understand that what Jesus did was necessary to fulfill all that God wanted him to do. And then in verse 27, it says, then beginning with Moses, listen to this, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning him in all of the scriptures. I don't know about you, but that's a message I would have loved to eavesdrop on. I can guarantee you this, that if we all had the opportunity to hear Jesus preach that sermon, it would be better than anything I'm saying right now. And don't say amen, because the Holy Spirit's gonna tell me when you say it. Listen, going on to verse 28. And they approached the village where they were going. Remember, that's Emmaus, the burning place. They're close to the village. And I want you to hear what Jesus does, because I think it's interesting. He acted as though he were going further. You know, when, when it says that, what that means is that Jesus is, is, is acting in a way. He doesn't necessarily want to go further, but he's kind of waiting around to see if something else is going to happen. I remember as a kid when I would want to go over to one of my friend's house, I, I, I didn't necessarily want to like interject and be like, hey, can I come over? I wanted to wait for the invitation. And this is what Jesus is doing in this moment. And it goes on to say this in verse 29, but they urged him. He acted as if he was going to go further, but they urged him. They said, stay with us for it is getting toward evening and the day is nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. Let me just stop here and say this. You can go through this experience with Jesus or without him. And you need to know that he's not going to force himself into your situation. Revelations chapter three, verse 20, I feel is such a fitting scripture for where we are right now. This is Jesus at the end of days. And it says this, behold, he stands at the door and knocks. If anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he will come in and he will dine with them and he will be, be with them. I'm telling you right now in the spirit, Jesus, he's knocking. Are you, he doesn't just wanna walk with you and talk with you. He wants you to invite him in literally to your home right now. And here's where we're going to close. Verse 30 when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he began to give it to them. And watch this, because this is what I believe God specifically wants to pinpoint this morning. After fellowship, after inviting Jesus, watch this, into their home, verse 31 says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. Listen to the next verse, because this verse is so powerful. Verse 32 says, they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road and while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Listen to me, no matter where you are, no matter how long you and I are at home, no matter how long you feel like your life and my life is on pause, I wholeheartedly believe Jesus is coming near. He wants to be invited into your situation, literally into your home, and he wants to be in fellowship with you, and he wants to be the one. Listen, 
He wants to be the one explaining the scriptures to you. You know what that means? Don't settle for another podcast. Don't follow another sermon. Those are supplements, but so often those supplements become substitutes to you getting alone one-on-one with the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to be your teacher, allowing the Holy Spirit to be the one that explains the scriptures to you. Listen, so many times we settle for someone else's revelation, but I want to encourage you this morning in this time that you are quarantined at home to get your own revelation for yourself because so many times what causes us to catch fire for God, what causes us to be passionate for Jesus is when we have our own revelation, we don't just settle on feeding for someone else's. Don't settle for someone else's supplements. Never allow that to be a substitute for you and Jesus, inviting him into your home and getting one-on-one with him. See, There's something here I want you to watch. I want you to notice. Here is why Jesus wants to be the one teaching teaching the scriptures to you. See, remember these two uh, followers of Jesus. Remember where they were heading. I, I told you at the beginning to remember that Emmaus meant what? It meant the burning place. And so here these disciples, followers of Jesus are heading to the burning place. But did you notice how they described what was going on on the inside of them as Jesus explained the scriptures. They said, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking? See, the reason why Jesus is approaching us right now, he is walking with us and wanting to talk to us and wanting to explain the scriptures to us is because Jesus doesn't want you to go to a burning place. He wants you to become a burning place. Listen, I hope you caught that. These two men were on their way to a burning place and Jesus interrupts them on their journey. He approaches them on their journey and he awaits their invitation into their home so that he can make them a burning place. Listen to me. God is not satisfied with you going to a church that is a burning place if you are not a burning place. So many times. We want to go to where revival already is. We want to go to a place that's already burning. But Jesus in this moment wants to be invited into your home so that he can set you on fire for him. So that he can deposit passion for him on the inside of you in your home. So that you would take that wherever you go and wherever you go would become a burning place because you are there. Jesus wants to meet with you in this time in your house. And he wants you to become a burning place instead of always trying to go to somewhere that's already burning. So where do we go from here? We embrace being at home. We invite him in and we become a burning place for God where our passion for him is overflowing on those that are around us. So as I close, I wanna do what Jesus did with those two followers. I wanna break bread with you. My prayer as we take communion this morning is that in this season that we are living in right now, however long it may be, that our eyes would be opened to Jesus in the same way that those two men's eyes were opened as they broke bread with him. And that we would experience Jesus in this time in a way that we have never experienced him before. And that we would become a burning place where we are passionately in love with Jesus. Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 22 are very familiar communion scriptures. And as we take communion today, I want to to, uh, read those. I want you to listen to the language that Jesus says 
in the Passion Translation. It says, when Jesus arrived at the upper room, he took his place at the table along with all the apostles. Then he told them, listen to this word, I have longed with passion and desire to eat this Passover lamb with you before I endure sufferings. Jesus had a passion to go to the cross because he knew on the other side of it, he was going to make people a place that burns with passion for him. In verse 16 says, I promise you that the next time we eat this, we will be together in the banquet of God's kingdom realm. So take the bread. Verse 19, then he lifted up the bread. That was his body, symbolically his body. And after praying a prayer of thanksgiving to God, he gave each of his apostles a piece of bread saying, this bread is my body, which is now being offered to you. Always eat it and remember me. This morning, I pray on Palm Sunday, the first Sunday of April, that we would remember, just take a moment, and remember not only as we begin the Passion Week, begin the week that culminates with Good Friday on Friday and Sunday being Easter, I pray that we would just take a moment right now and remember what we're about to celebrate in a week from now. Will you join me as I pray, and then we're gonna take communion. Jesus, we take this moment, this sacred moment to remember your death, burial, and your resurrection. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that your body was broken for us, God. Your body was broken for our sins, God, that it was not our flesh, but it was your flesh, God. So God, we honor you and we love you. And we thank you for what you've done. Take and eat that which represents the body of Christ. Verse 20 goes on to say, after supper was over, he lifted the cup and he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant I make with you and it will be poured out soon for all of you. Will you just bow your heads and pray once again with me? Jesus, we remember the blood that was shed. God, we thank you that your word says, without the shedding of blood, but blood there is no forgiveness of sins. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you chose to come and you chose before the foundation of the world to be the one who would pour out every ounce of blood from your body for the forgiveness of the sins of mankind. God, we remember you, we honor you, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, take and drink that which represents the blood of Jesus. I'm just gonna pray as I close this morning. I wanna thank you for joining me. I pray this, I pray that God will bless you. I pray that God will keep you. I pray that his face would shine upon you, that his face would be gracious towards you wherever you are, and that the Lord would lift up his countenance towards you and that he would give you peace. Thank you for joining me. But I pray this week, as we enter into uh, the Passion Week, I pray that day by day, you would get alone with Jesus. Now, he wants to walk with you, he wants to talk with you, but I pray you would invite him in. You would get one-on-one -on -one with Jesus and you would allow Jesus to be the one who teaches you the scriptures and that you would become a burning place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, next week, we're gonna celebrate the resurrection of our Savior on Easter. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. God bless you.